My name is Stephanie B. Welcome to the Range of Buck podcast series, the experts in exclusive luxury African safaris. Throughout this series, we'll explore absolutely everything you could ever want to know about traveling to Africa and more specifically Southern Africa for a safari. If you'd like to see what Ranger Buck has to offer, or if you have any questions, head on over to www.rangerbucksafaris.com. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Ranger Buck podcast series. Today we are chatting to Sips Maswangani, the head ranger at Cheetah Plains. Cheetah Plains is situated adjacent to the Kruger National Park in the northwest corner of the Sabi Sands Game Reserve. It offers unrivaled game viewing opportunities combined with stunning design, a truly exceptional luxury safari experience. Sips, today we're going to cover everything from predator attacks and going off-road to nature walks and birding. So Sips, let's start off with your main responsibilities as head ranger. What do you do on a daily basis? All right. Um, my main responsibility is to make sure that the team functions well in terms of the training, setting uh, up the structures, you know, making sure that the guys are in time for their second drive, Rifles are signed off and everything is up to date. The vehicles are clean. And yeah, just to make sure that the team operates smoothly, uh, the sightings are locked into the system and interaction is there. So guys also do some uh, daily trainings and, and studying uh, during the day. So that's my main responsibility. But uh, also in a long while, I do a lot of training with the team and make sure the team is up to the question updated. Okay, cool. So um, I've got another question for you. Whenever I've gone on safari, there are always two very specific times that game drives take place, usually in the early morning before the sunrise and sort of late afternoon before the sunset. Why do you choose those two specific times to do game drives? Oh, first of all, just that the animal activity. So our kind of safari is to see animals doing things rather than seeing animals sleeping or resting, to say. So in the morning, most of the cats are still active and animals are moving from one place to another to drink. You know, birds are active, there's a lot of bad calls. And also, it's not that hot. You know, so the game viewing is much better and animals are all more in action. Also in the afternoon, is the, the when you start to see the lions yawning or cats becoming active because it's getting dark. Hyenas are highly active uh, during dawn and dusk. You know, one of the best things we target. But... Um, well, I like doing it during the day, so you won't see much uh, of the action, certainly. But the setup is basically targeted on that. Yeah, that makes total sense. So basically weather and animal patterns. So before you head off on a game drive, do you already know what the guests are going to see that day? Or is every day completely different? So what are some of the things that someone could expect to see on an average game drive? Oh, yeah, well, we... we we prefer not to know for the experience part of it, and we just use our trackers. You see, when you go on a drive, we've got a man sitting in front, so it's a tracker. And most especially in the morning, so every morning has got fresh tracks and a fresh signs from uh, the previous night. But um, we, we don't actually know what we're going to see. So every game drive is different, and we encourage all the guests to attend all the game drives. And then even if we see the same animals, they will be doing different things. So it's never the same. And it's, it's much exciting not knowing where the animals are. And the, the tracking part is 
practice and it's amazing, you know, enjoying the tracking of all the animals' tracks and finding them and it's such a goal. But um, yeah, so it's like that. You just live in the morning and go out there, start from scratch, looking for animals. And then because you precisely know that behavior where they're likely to be at what time of the day, so it's it's not it's not that hard for the experienced uh, guys in the field because you kind of living a pattern of animals and understanding that behavior. That's so true. I have also been to a game reserve before where there were guests that didn't choose to go on the afternoon drive and then ended up missing out on seeing some of the animals that they really, really wanted to see and sort of regretted it. So I'm, I totally yeah. agree with you. I think that it's best to just go on every single game drive, obviously, if time allows. Speaking about time, are you flexible with how long a game drive is? Could somebody, a guest, could they request maybe a bit of a longer game drive? Or if somebody wants to make it a short game drive, are you flexible with time? Yeah, at Japanese, we're quite flexible with the time. I know we, there's a cafe at a certain time where we prefer to be out of the field and animals will have their own way. But we pretty much flexible in terms of time and also look at the guests um, uh, if they're tired or they're really up for it. You know, like, mm-hmm. for instance, in the morning, we can say, let's leave just uh, uh, 45 minutes before sunrise and have a little bit of a dusk experience, I mean, dawn experience. And then also in the afternoon, we can come back later just before 8. But we're much flexible. And also, when I'm out there, we, I'll encourage all the guys to to read the animals. So let's say we fall in the lines hunting. We cannot say, no, okay, let's go back to the to the house because we're out of time. So we, we sit and, and watch the animals and probably we will not keep a kill, you know, so we can sit and if it needs to be that we have to sit until nine, we'll sit until nine. So we're more flexible. If the guests want to leave like eight o'clock in the morning for a couple of hours, we we, we, we go for it. So we're not more, more into the guest um, expectations and and how they want to be out there um, or what time they want to be out there. So we're highly flexible. Our setup is quite flexible. Yeah, that makes sense. So at some reserves, there might be another person called a tracker that sort of assists the ranger. Like sometimes they even sit on a special seat attached to the bonnet of the vehicle. What is the tracker's job? How do they track the animals? How does it actually work? Do they go according to animal sounds? Do they track the spur or the... What is it that makes them a tracker and how do they do that? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, yeah, you see some 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 setups do not have trackers in the safari destinations, but we we do have trackers primarily because uh, when we're driving, you know, um, like in the service and game reserve, we can have trackers and they can track um, the animals on foot leaving the vehicle uh, with me or the guest either way. But then the tracker his job is to get on the ground while I'm driving, picking up some fresh tracks of the animals. So if he's, let's say, found tracks of the leopard, he's going to uh, go out in foot and, and track the leopard uh, or the lion and find it. But the highly experienced, you know, to while they're walking, to listen to sounds, let's say, you're tracking high, the head of um, elephants, the head of buffalo, side of lions, they could be feeding, you can hear them fighting before you get there. And also they were etching, they know what to, what to do when they find an animal. So they find animals on foot, and they don't run away though, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's the thing they don't want to do. They don't run away, so if they spot the lions, then they know 
Ooh. If they see one line, then they have to drop the eyes and pretend they didn't see the pride and walk back to the vehicle. Or communicate with me on the radio and then I can drive in. Depending on the sighting and, and, and the action of the animals. But yeah, we use trackers for that. And at night, the trackers use uh, the light, the spotlight, to shine looking for, for the night animals, night, night active animals. Um, and then if they spot the eyes, are the hearts because that's the time we see the aardvarks and, and the pangolins and leopards are active at night. You know, some of them are monkeys and owls and, and, night, and night jars or uh, bush babies are also active at night. So we see some of those night active animals. The tracker assists in terms of searching with the light and spotting those animals and and hand over the, the sighting to the guide to, to interpret for, for his guests. So I've also, that's amazing. Yeah, and I agree with you on the trackers. Uh, they do have quite a difficult job. They have quite a dangerous job. But I do think it's an important job to help the rangers out and to get those sightings that the guests are looking for. I've also been on a few game drives where there's usually someone who asks about the game drive vehicles because they're usually open. And somebody usually says, are they safe? What will happen if a lion decides to attack? You, is that okay? Are the game drive vehicles safe? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. So we, because normally most of the guys are experienced, and we we all came from the same research um, tradition of the open land rover. But also we, before we we set up the business, uh, we also trained a guide to to interpret the animals and animals. Um, what they see when they see the, the look at the vehicle is not what we think they see. Like they like don't see humans. In the vehicle at all, you know. That's why we advise our guests to remain seated, and then by so doing, animals have no reaction to the vehicle at all. And guests will watch them feeding, playing. That means that they're totally relaxed. They don't have any reaction uh, to the vehicle. So it is it is safe because primarily the guest um, or the ranger has to read the animal, interpret the animal all the time while they're watching the animal and make sure that the distance they park from the animal is safe based on the animal relaxation status. Um, uh, if the animal is not relaxed or not comfortable, the ranger will see that uh, before the animal uh, do any reaction. So, and also, we normally carry rifles in the vehicle uh, just for safety follow-up, I mean, for any reason. But we don't really need them when you drive. You don't need a rifle when you drive because animals, they don't see the vehicle is abandoned, they, they will never act to a vehicle if the animal is read correctly or if the, the, the ranger is experienced like our guide. So uh, they will not really attack the vehicle as, as we think. I know, I know there's some sort, sort of clips in the, in the other national parks and stuff like that, but in our field, we highly train to read the animal and to approach the animal that is, is approachable, to view the animal. Uh, safely to have an escape route if the elephant head is coming towards the car or just want to walk uh, through uh, on the road and the guide has to make space. So there are a lot of, lot of uh, things that the guide uh, does other than just uh, packing the animal, which is often start lecturing the guests with the animal. We, we just have to read the animal all the time. You know, all animals are, are living uh, uh, organisms, so you, cannot, you can never say the animal is, is, is thinking that way. But we're always aware we can read animal by body language of the animal that they will never really change it. If the lion is not happy, you see the lion, the male lion or lion will lower the head down and tail will be fishing sideways. So you know, you know, that's the common thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So it, it is basically not, not, not dangerous at all.
So, Sips, I know every reserve has got different rules, but do you guys go off-road to find animals? Yes, we do. We do off-road. Uh, that's uh, what makes uh, uh, our traversing so special. So, we can follow our cats off-road, um, hunting uh, any animal off-road, uh, watching them. So, that's an, that's an extra thing. That's the main thing that makes us different. Awesome. That is a great opportunity and something a little bit different for the guests as well. And I think it adds a little bit of adventure and a little bit of spice to the average game drive too. So the two-way radio is definitely your ranger's best friend while you're out on a game drive. What do you actually use the two-way radio for? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, they, we do have uh, other vehicles in the same traversing area that we communicate with in terms of sighting. And we also use the two-way radio to communicate with the tracker when it's on foot, uh, primarily. But also, um, also to communicate with the base. So it's a communication tool with the guys out there, the tracker, your base house, and, and whatever you need for any emergency and stuff. So it's a very useful one. But, um, I know every on game drive, uh, some safari, uh, the safari guys use it heavily on, on, on communicating with the sightings, you know, and, and sometimes we will think the radio, uh, too much usage of the radio is distracting, uh, and then we, we don't really basically use it. And luckily on Cheetah Plains, we, we don't have a lot of vehicles uh, in the tradition, so we hardly use it uh, in an hour or so. so, so <laughs> we don't really use it heavily, but it's very, very useful tool for communication, yeah. For sure. So recently, a few lodges have switched over to electric game drive vehicles. You just mentioned that the two-way radios can sometimes be a little bit distracting. So I'm assuming that the electric game drive vehicles are awesome because of the lack of engine sound. You can be a lot quieter. It's a less disturbing experience both for the guests and for the animals. Is this right? Yes. Yeah, the electric ones, uh, we, I, I tend to drive the first one also in subway. Uh, they're quite good, you know, they're very quiet, you know, and, and uh, zero emissions, so uh, there's no easy sound. They're very slick, so you can move around sightings smoothly, and you don't have to, you know, to, to always, um, you know, make noise with the starter motor when trying to run the engine. Um, so they, they're very good, they're very nice, and, and we really enjoy them. The animals have got no reaction at all, you know, they, they're really um, amazing. So that's, that's a good move. And the sound, well, there's no sound at all. So it's just like you can hear the rolling tires. As quiet as an elephant. I definitely think it is the way of the future. And I'm hoping that more game lodges around South Africa start adopting the exact same principle, I suppose, and converting to electric game drive vehicles. I think for every reason that you just mentioned, it's a great idea. Let's also not forget about our smaller creatures. How popular is birding and frogging, and how can someone incorporate that into their game lodge experience? Um, yeah, it's, uh, I know that, that uh, most of the like, frogging is quite seasonal, so we only do it in the rain season, but it's, it's one of the good activities to consider the amphibians, the frogs, and other animals that will be active uh, um, in that in that time of the day. So they, it, it, it will be very a good activity if all of us across uh, the lodges or the houses or the business and in the industry can introduce that activity to introduce the frogging. Um, um, but it's a special thing, you know. 
they just start off with uh, listening um, to the sound that they make just uh, after sunset. It's amazing, you know, and you can identify which frog is calling. And then also taking the guests out of the lodge uh, premise at night, uh, at night and get, get into the pond where you can hear everything happening and spot some sea frogs. There's in some setups where you can uh, as well catch them and have a look at them. Uh, the birding as well is a different kind of safari. I mean, often they have, often they have guests uh, coming in and only interested on birding. Uh, and then you need, as a guide, like you need to be able to offer those to your clients. You need to be able to be knowledgeable about those few things. And then um, sometimes you have to walk just to identify birds. Sometimes you have to go to certain areas, dams, lakes, um, to, to do birding. And, and it's quite available as sort of a, a activity on, on safari. If, you, if a lodge can offer it, um, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it, I, would, I know I know the breeding can do it any time of the year, but in time I'll get more birds coming back to South Africa for breeding yeah. and stuff, and you get more colorful ones. And frogs also, after rain, is amazing. So there's a lot of, you no. Know, I was in an electric vehicle to pull up on that. You know, you can hear everything calling at night. You can hear owls, you can hear frogs, you can hear kills, you can hear alarm calls. Uh, while you're driving, you don't have to switch off the engine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. We've actually got another podcast episode coming up about seasons as well. So I'm really, really glad that you brought up that at different seasons, you will be able to see different kinds of birds and your activities, I suppose, will largely depend on what season it is as well. Let's not forget yeah. that the fun doesn't stop when the sun goes down, though. The stars, when you're out in the bush, they put on a spectacular show. Can you tell me more about nighttime activities? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, sort of from just uh, after your sundown, you know, you can see the GP child, you can see the certain, uh, you can see the main constellations. Uh, that's why you start off uh, just after the, the sundown and stop um, uh, the break in the afternoon. And then, and then you know, most of our lines, uh, I guess, come from the city, big cities. I've never had the opportunity to be in the era where there's no light and no a collision at all and because in the area the atmosphere is so clean as well so you can see stars in detail and you can do star photography as well um, with, with the equipment that we have back, uh, at the house so that's why you get to introduce stars they know stars okay they know about Orion they know about Southern Cross they know about City Chevrolet and all stars they know about the Hercules in the North and and the Leo, the Draco, they know about those names, but I've never seen them in real life. They've seen them on pictures. They've seen some of the nebulas from uh, Nazo's uh, pictures in, in the US. And, and so that's why you brought the, the Fury to life. Like, this is this is what you know. And then you have the laser pointer, you know, that's like a wire. It looks like you're hitting the star. Wow. You're going to talk about Alpha Centauri, tell them about the light years. What the light years means, you know, some guests, they know what the light year is, but they don't understand what it means and they don't know about the time. So I tell them that if you teach off uh, Alpha Centauri for, for, for this thing today, it's going to take four and a half years to, to, to us to us to notice that it is off. You know, <laughs> that's how wow. the light travels from the start to us. So that subject comes in when you start to talk about it, but it's not theoretical anymore because they can see stars and just pick up with the astrology and, and other things. 
That is absolutely amazing. Honestly, uh, the nighttime and the astrophotography and the astro safaris and being able to look at the stars in the Milky Way is definitely a highlight of any game experience or luxury safari experience for me. Thank you so much, Sips. We are talking to Sips Maswangani, the head ranger at Cheetah Plains. Sips, have a fantastic day and thank you so much for filling us in on everything about a luxury safari experience. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Bye.